It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. The proxy battle between former President Trump and former Vice President Pence is heating up in Arizona. Both are visiting the state today to stump for their preferred candidates. In the GOP gubernatorial primary, Mr. Pence has endorsed Karen Taylor Robeson, a former Arizona Board of Regents member. Mr. Trump has thrown his weight behind former local TV news anchor Carrie Lake, who has repeated false claims about election fraud. The endorsements come as both the former president and former vice president have hinted at running for president in 2024. All right, that was a CBS report, and I'm going to set that up because we're going to go to Arizona. Well, not physically, but I'm going to talk about the governor's race there because it's uh, crucial. It's heating up. And as uh, the CBS just told us, President Trump went out to rally for Carrie Lake, had thousands of people. Mike Pence went out to rally for Karen Taylor Robeson, who's supported by Doug Ducey, and also by uh, uh, former Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, and uh, there was a, it was a small event. They had just a, a seated around tables event with them. So that does say something, I think. Uh, but I thought it'd be good for you to hear then from Karen Taylor Robeson herself first. Let's listen. What do you think the most important issue for your state? There's only one great candidate for governor this year, Karen Taylor Robeson, and I'm proud to support her. There are no surprises with Karen. She's a lifelong conservative Republican who got her start working for President Ronald Reagan. She's a conservative fighter who built a successful small business that helped create thousands of jobs. And her tough six-point plan will help secure the border. Karen is the real deal, pro-life, pro-gun, and pro-wall and she'll stand up to Joe Biden and the radical left. Karen is a strong new leader for Arizona. I urge you to consider the only candidate with a record of conservative results and to vote for Karen Taylor Robeson. You know, as I was listening to that, I couldn't help but think that was Governor Ducey's voice of Arizona. He's talking about Karen Taylor Robeson wanting the the wall, being in favor of the wall, and I'm thinking that, but Governor Ducey hasn't done anything on the wall. So, I just think that's interesting. Sorry, editorial remark, but it did strike me. Carrie, Carrie Lake, uh, former uh, news anchor, beautiful girl. Oh, who is she? Well, uh, let me hear an inter- let me let you hear an interaction she had with Brett Bear on Fox recently, and I think she gives us an idea of what she stands for. Let's listen. What do you think the most important issue for your state is? 
We've got a couple of important issues. We have a wide open border. We have fentanyl pouring in. We have the cartels with operational control. But that wouldn't be happening if we would have fair, honest elections. And we had a fraudulent election, a corrupt election, and we have an illegitimate president sitting in the White House. And because of that, our border is wide open. Five and a half tons of fentanyl was confiscated last year, enough to kill over two billion people. It's a weapon of mass destruction. And that's why we're going to secure that border starting on day one. After I take my hand off the Bible, we are going to issue a declaration of invasion. We're going to finish President Trump's wall. And we're going to send our armed National Guard to the border and stop people from coming across. You know, I've you been down there so many times and people just pour in and they've got a smile on their face because with Joe Biden, they feel they're going to stay here forever. And when I'm governor, they're going back. Just to circle back, you say that it's an illegitimate president. You say that the election was stolen. You speak a lot about this on the campaign trail, uh, talking about the 2020 election. This is the Arizona House Speaker, Rusty Bowers, uh, testifying in front of Congress last week. Anywhere, anyone, anytime has said that I said the election was rigged, that would not be true. There was no, no evidence being presented of any strength. Evidence can be hearsay evidence. It's still evidence, but it's still hearsay. But strong judicial quality evidence, anything that would say to me, you have a doubt, deny your oath. I will not do that. He's a Republican, he's a Trump supporter, and that's what he said. He's a rhino, and he hopefully will be defeated. He is an absolute rhino. Karen Fan even admits there were issues with the election, that it can't be certified. And here's what we have. 740,000 ballots that have no chain of custody. They cannot be authenticated, and they should not have been counted. 34,000 ballots that were counted two, three, and four times. People who moved who still voted in our election. There's a mountain of evidence, and I wish that the corporate media would start covering it instead of putting their head in the sand and acting like it didn't happen. We know what happened happened here. Okay. Just because we well, have a why, rhino saying me, it didn't I understand. happen. I understand what you're saying. Um, the attorney general obviously has talked about this at length, uh, saying that they instructed U.S. attorneys to pursue any specific credible allegations of substantial fraud, and he found none, incl in including using very colorful language in his testimony. I understand what you're saying, but there have been, as you know, more than 70 court cases uh, where there was not evidence and there was not any state legislature or governor that failed to certify an election, including your own Republican Doug Ducey. We did not have any court cases where the evidence was presented. We now have evidence that is admissible in a court of law, and I believe the day will come where we have that court case. We have an AG, Mark Brnovich, who has sat on a mountain of evidence and done nothing, including video evidence. We have the true the vote evidence. We have people who do not want to uncover the truth about our election, and it makes me wonder if they're afraid they really didn't win in previous elections. But don't worry, because when I'm governor, we're going to get to the bottom of it and you and think we will that, have honest elections and you and think we will that Arizona citizens voters want to spend a lot of time looking at 2020 instead of looking forward from 2022 and on I'm with them every single day we draw record crowds 
number one issue because they know every other issue from inflation to the a border being wide open, not being able to afford um, gas and, and groceries all stems from this corrupt election. We want an election day, not an election month. We want paper ballots and we want to get rid of these electronic voting machines, which is why I'm involved in a federal case right now to get them banned here in Arizona. All we want, Brett, is honest elections for our children and grandchildren. We want honest elections for Democrats, mm -hmm. independents, and Republicans. We want to know that when we go to bed on election night, when we wake up the next day, we find out who won before we go to bed, and we can live with that. But we can't keep having elections that nobody can live with, and we can't yeah. have this level of fraud anymore. Understanding that every Republican leader in Washington says that Joe Biden is the legitimate president, everyone. Um, but I understand what you're well, running on. But let me—they're let sitting me, there in Washington. They're sitting there in Washington. Understood. They're not here in Arizona. This is what we you're running on. I get it. Let journalists me just... to come out here and dig through this. All right. So that was Carrie Lake. She's endorsed by President Trump, uh, and you heard her. She made her case. And then we have Karen Taylor Robson, supported by Doug Ducey and uh, Mike Pence and others. All right, so that's the choice for governor in Arizona. You can imagine it's going to be fascinating. The primary is Tuesday. When we return, Scott Parkinson from Club for Growth will join us. And after that, uh, the candidate for Senate in Washington, Heidi St. John. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Lehman, and I approve this message. Blake Masters moved here from California to run for Senate, but Blake Masters is a fake. The $10 million funding Blake Masters all comes from the same big tech that's censoring conservatives, interfering in elections, and selling out to China. Fake Blake Masters is the puppet of California big tech. And take it from me, do not trust this puppet. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. We have a lot of big primaries coming up Tuesday. And that, of course, that, of course, I shouldn't say, of course, because you might not know that that's Jim Lamont who's challenged or running for Senate against Blake Masters and Mark Brunovich, who is the attorney general in uh, Arizona. And we'll get to that race in just a second. I know that these commercials are barraging you, and it's very confusing, you know, because who do you believe? Every commercial is convincing, so you believe that candidate. Then you hear something else, and you believe that candidate. And that's why other resources are so important. Uh, I always tell you to look to see who's endorsing uh, these candidates, where they're getting their money from. These are very important things and measures. And, of course, their own history and voting history and things that they've said are very important measures. iVoterGuide.com, by the way, iVoterGuide.com is a great resource for assessing where the candidates stand on the issues. Uh, we have primaries coming up in Michigan, Arizona, Kansas, Missouri, and Washington State. Uh, we'll be, we will be talking with Heidi St. John, who's running for Senate uh, in, uh, how, I'm sorry, in the House in Washington State in just a few minutes. Uh, and we, are talking, we talked about Michigan thoroughly this week. But um, we want to go now to someone who's really following this very closely, whose judgment I trust, Scott Parkinson is the Vice President of Governmental Affairs for the Club for Growth, and they are supporting candidates really all over the country. And I'm happy to have him join us this morning. Scott, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Sandy. Hey, just an overview. Uh, how, many, how many states are you guys involved in this election cycle? 
Well, this whole election cycle, I think we're involved in over 30 races. There's uh, races for the United States Senate, races for governor in many states, and also many of the House of Representatives states throughout the country that we've gotten involved in. And in general, what is your criteria? What makes you want to support someone? Yeah, the Club for Growth PAC and Club for Growth Action support candidates that are free market, free enterprise, pro-growth candidates. We're all about the economic growth here at the Club for Growth, and we're always looking to identify that best economic conservative uh, out of a field that sometimes can stretch to as many as 20 candidates in a primary or sometimes can be a head-to-head race that's super competitive. Do you never, does the club, I know in the past, uh, the, the moral issues are not the main thing. You just described it. You're very upfront about that. But they, I think they're factoring a little bit now. Oh, that's what I pick up. I don't know if you officially factor them in, but uh, anyway, of course, my listeners are very concerned about that. And I think if you guys are listening and you want to find out about where they stand on those issues, go to iVoterGuide.com, iVoterGuide.com. Well, Arizona, uh, before you join me, Scott, I talked a great deal about the governor's race. Uh, but now let's go to the Senate. We heard uh, Jim Lamont uh, in his uh, hit, well, it was a hit piece against Blake Masters. But you guys are actually supporting Blake Masters. Why are you supporting him and why? You know, what makes him such a good candidate? Yeah, well, I've met Blake several times over the course of his campaign and the Club for Growth Board of Directors. Uh, and our endorsement committee unanimously supported a motion to endorse him through Club for Growth PAC. On policy, Blake Masters is one of the more thoughtful and interesting candidates that Club for Growth PAC has interviewed recently, especially, I think, on his vision for economic freedom. Masters did serve as the chief operating officer at Teal Capital, and his economic views are fundamentally consistent and aligned with the policies that Club for Growth fights for every day. I think that Masters is a little bit of a libertarian-leaning conservative that strongly favors the private sector over big government. And his view of government is that the limits should be respected and powers should be used to protect rights and maintain our constitutional republic. Masters wants to get a hold of our national debt and our growing entitlement crisis. He thinks that printing money is like having surgery. You shouldn't get addicted to it. And Blake Masters believes in free market economic conservatism. He wants to break down these barriers between healthcare marketplace and increasing competition to help drive down costs, specifically by allowing insurance companies to uh, provide for insurance plans across state lines. Right now, individuals are prohibited in Arizona from buying health insurance in Nevada or New Mexico or California or anywhere in the United States. And we want to break down those regulatory barriers. So Masters agrees with Club for Growth on that policy. We also want to improve transparency in, in pricing for health care and have massive deregulation across the board. If anything, during the COVID pandemic, we've understood that the regulatory policies from Obamacare and, you know, sort of the, the left uh, socialist medicine approach that we've had has really stifled innovation. And when you're trying to uh, embrace more of a a free market approach that allows for competition in that marketplace, deregulating the the health insurance industry is a great, great start. And we know that Blake Masters supports doing that. He's also pledged to oppose 
any net tax increase. He supports a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. Masters supports term limits. And we think that he's going to align with other really solid conservatives in the United States Senate, like Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, and Rick Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just say, because uh, the, the things that I know, uh, Peter T. Uh, um, hmm. Blake, as you mentioned, he was with Peter Thiel. Peter is a very was a he's a multi billionaire. Well, he's a billionaire. I don't know how many multis there are there, uh, but he has supported President Trump financially in every other way. He's controversial for many of us because he's, uh, I think he's, I think he's a, a homosexual businessman, and people can, are concerned about the moral issues. Uh, but um, on the certainly on the financial stuff, uh, Blake is very strong, and he's been supported by the way, endorsed by President Trump as well as Club um, Club for Growth and a lot of other people as well. My understanding, uh, I don't know how you feel about this, Scott, but I think Jim Lamone, I don't know, listen, I don't really know anything about any of these. I know a little bit about some of them. Jim Lamone, I think, is probably like the red meat uh, candidate for the strong conservatives, but it's kind of a, Mark Brunovich is not even really a factor in this race right now, do you think? Or is it close, all three of them? Well, Jim Lamone is is, uh, a self-funder, and he's been pummeling the airwaves with his own positive messaging, talking about being a businessman. And, you know, obviously he's from Alabama. He wants to take that shot at, at Blake Masters from coming over from California. But Jim is also not from Arizona. Um, he's uh, been somebody that's been very successful through government contracts and accepting clean energy subsidies from the U.S. government to maintain a competitive advantage over competition at the expense of the taxpayer. And he's been working closely with Chinese companies to, you know, expand this group, DEPCOM Power, a corporation that specializes in solar energy that accepted clean energy subsidies that I mentioned. I think that, you know, where what you've got with uh, Peter Thiel and, and his independent expenditures supporting the campaign of Blake Masters is almost a non sequitur to the kind of person that Blake Masters is. Blake Masters okay. has young children himself. He's married. He's, he is, a you know, very, uh, socially conservative guy. And, um, you know, I, I think when the listeners are, are wanting to check out the, you know, record or the history of a candidate, when you look at Blake Masters and the way that he features his family and all of his ads, I think it's a positive indicator of the kind of member of Congress or of the United States Senate that he would actually become. Okay. And that's okay. So that's, a, that's an, uh, Interesting, and that's why I ask you to join me. Mark Brunovich, I just want to, we have to move on, but let me just say what I, my impression is that he's been a disappointment to people in Arizona who thought there was voter fraud uh, because he hasn't really done anything or not much in his position to do anything about that, and I think he is in third place. Let's move to Wyoming, and actually, before you say a word, I want to play something. This is a clip that from the J6 hearing last week. Uh, this is a, something that Liz uh, Cheney said that I just thought was really strange. This is clip one. Cassidy Hutchinson. She sat here alone, took the oath, and testified before millions of Americans. She knew all along that she would be attacked by President Trump and by the 50, 60, and 70-year-old men who hide themselves behind executive privilege. But like our witnesses today, she has courage, and she did it anyway. Cassidy Sarah, and our other witnesses, including Officer Caroline Edwards, Shay Moss, and her mother, Ruby Freeman, 
are an inspiration to American women and to American girls. We owe a debt to all of those who have and will appear here. I just think that's strange. That's uh, Liz Cheney being very strange. And uh, she is really under fire in her own home state of Wyoming. Her election is coming up right away. Uh, And so tell us what's happening, Scott, in Wyoming in regard to Liz Cheney's race. Yeah, uh, it's obviously one of those races also that President Trump cares a lot about. He endorsed Harriet Hageman uh, late last summer, and we've pulled this race several times. We've released our polling publicly, so it's something I can definitely share with the listeners. We came out with polling uh, last week that also uh, indicated that Hageman is 28% ahead of Liz Cheney right now. And when we do the methodology between these races, in Wyoming, there's a crossover vote. um, So Democrats can vote in in the Republican primary. It's an open election. And there's no, you know, real strong Democrat that's going to take out Liz Cheney or Harriet Hageman. So many Democrats decide, well, I'm actually going to vote in that Republican primary. And vote for somebody that closely aligns with me. When we tested that turnout model from 13% Democrat, 20% Democrat, and 25% Democrat, Hageman still has a sizable lead, more than double digits, and we fully expect her to uh, win that race. You know, Liz Cheney has never actually been a champion for Club for Gross economic policies. She's obviously been a major player in congressional negotiations for big government, higher federal spending, and she's voted for trillions of dollars in spending increases. She's voted for post office bailouts and agricultural subsidies. She's even refused to sign that discharge petition to force a vote on the repeal of Obamacare. And she obviously incurred the wrath of her Republican colleagues in not just the House of Representatives, but Republicans in Wyoming following her vote to impeach President Trump after the January 6th uh, riot, I guess, is, you know, what we should call it. Um, Cheney was obviously removed from her Republican conference chair position in May of 2021, and she's continued to join forces with Pelosi. We heard that clip of her with uh, Cassidy Hutchison. And, you know, what I'm thinking is Liz Cheney is basically understanding she's going to lose this big at-large race on August 16th. And what she's going to do is turn her platform into a a position to run for president of the United States as an independent and try to play spoiler in 2024 for the Republican nominee. Yeah, I think I was that was going to be my next question because I'm hearing the same thing. I'm hearing the very same thing that there's, you know, talk to me, it's like fantasy land, Uh, even honestly, and you don't have to comment on this, but I will on Mike Pence running for president. I think that there's denial. I just don't think there's a market for them, if we should say marketing or, uh, you know, if you're doing business, there's not a market for them. Uh, but I guess she could be a spoiler, and maybe that is exactly why. what's the the, the wing, the wind beneath her wings. Uh, let's go to Missouri because uh, that's really interesting. Now, I know that the Senate primary is not something that you guys, I don't think you've endorsed in that, right? We have not. Yeah, well, let me just say uh, on my own but that this is a very big race Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt is uh, running, and he's running neck and neck with, um, now why don't I, I just went blank, um, Eric Greitens. Eric, uh, Eric is, of course, the former governor who uh, became under attack for uh, allegedly sending pictures to some staffer. It turned out that that was a false story, 
and he ended up having to resign from office. Well, there's a mixed bag. He was a he's uh, served in the military, uh, and uh, I think he's very popular in Missouri. But so is Eric Schmidt. Uh, but let me just say that I always say to people again, look to see who's endorsing someone. That tells you a lot about what with the, the direction you should go. I just read today that Sarah Sanders is now endorsing Eric Schmidt. Sarah, as we have disappointingly found out in, in uh, Arkansas, is uh, round, consistently endorsing uh, establishment Republicans. And it's been uh, pretty gut-wrenching for the people of Arkansas who expected something different. But I think that we might assume that that might be Eric Schmidt. So Eric Greitens and Eric Schmidt are running in that, and that's coming up next Tuesday. So now let's move to um, Missouri 7. I know nothing about this race. Can you kind of fill us in on that? Yeah, this is one of those big, bright red districts that's being vacated by Billy Long, one of the other candidates for the United States Senate race. Obviously, Billy Long is probably in fourth place in that race right now. I would say he's a long shot candidate to win that Senate nomination. But it did create a bright red opportunity for a lot of conservatives to to get in and, and really duke it out here for the Republican nomination, which will really be the de facto uh, congressional race to be sworn in next January. We've got a former state senator, Eric Burleson, against state senator Mike Moon, and then another guy named Jay Wasson. Uh, Eric Burleson has been really just one of those steadfast conservatives. He participated in uh, Club for Growth Foundation's inaugural uh, fellowship program, and that's what our nonprofit uh, does from the 501c3 angle. We are trying to build up a new generation of leaders. But in the state legislature and the state senate, Eric Burleson received a 100% rating, and during his candidate interview, it's just clear he's the type of difference maker that will champion conservative issues from economic policies to the you know, uh, cultural war that I think a lot of your listeners care about. Burleson is, in my view, very similar to uh, former uh, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, a guy named Andy Biggs from Arizona. I think Burleson's got the tenacity to roll up his sleeves and take on the establishment, take on those uh, forces that are always about the uniparty that want to grow government here in Washington. So I, I have really, really high expectations for Eric Burleson. He was actually the first uh, candidate that we endorsed for a U.S. House race. We endorsed him last September, and uh, this is just you know one of those really, really competitive races. There are other conservatives in the race, but it's always about finding the best fit, the best champion, the best fighter. And we think, without a doubt, that's Eric Burleson. Okay, uh, moving to Florida. There, Florida 13, now I know nothing about this either, uh, Scott, so just lay it up for us. What's, what's going on in Florida 13 and what area is that? Yeah, so this is sort of like a little bit north of St. Pete. And what happened was uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and the legislature enacted new uh, congressional maps earlier this spring. And it created a real pickup opportunity, not just in this race in Florida 13, but in three other races. So we've got big, open Republican primaries. The candidate here that the Club for Growth PAC is supporting is a woman named Anna Paulina Luna. She's also endorsed by President Trump. She's endorsed by the House Freedom Fund, which is the affiliated super PAC for the House Freedom Caucus. Uh, We think that she is a tremendous communicator uh, toward the Hispanic community. She's a tremendous communicator on conservative values and issues. And we're just 
super excited to be supporting her. She did run last year and lost a really, really close race to Charlie Crist. But through redistricting, this uh, district, the 13th district of Florida, is shifting a little bit more red. So we, we sort of view this as what's known as PVI. It's the Partisan Voter Index. And this has gone from about a D plus one to about an R plus four. And so wow. we fully expect the Republican nominee to be able to pull this thing out. But it's a super competitive primary, right? We've got a trial lawyer named Kevin Hazlett, and Hazlett has deep ties into the community, representing people like Hulk Hogan's son when Hulk Hogan's son got in trouble. Um, Hazlett also happens to have the endorsement of Ron DeSantis Sr., DeSantis's dad. And um, that does not speak for the governor at all. I think they've been super clear about that. But it's sort of like a fun thing that Hazlett's been talking about. Nonetheless, Luna is going to be in the Freedom Caucus after she wins. She's going to be very much, I think, like Lauren Boebert in terms of being able to roll up her sleeves and take on the squad here in Washington. Well, well, that's... um... It's always, you know, it's kind of exciting. We do have some good people running, Scott, and that's why I'm concentrating this week. Oh, I have been for a couple of months now concentrating on these primaries because I continue to help people understand if they don't vote in the primaries, no conservative will prevail or very few, very few. Uh, They only have a chance in the primary to become your candidate. And so you have to get out, roll up your sleeves and vote. Uh, Scott Parkinson of Club for Growth. Scott, thanks for everything that you do. Everything that you do, we appreciate it so much, and we appreciate your time this morning. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I'm Joe Kent, Republican candidate for Congress, and I approve this message. Dark money packs and spoiler candidates have been filling your mailboxes and airways with lies about me for one reason. I'm the only candidate who can defeat Jamie Herrera Butler. Truth is, I never voted Democrat in a general election. I'm committed to defending the right to life and the Second Amendment, and I'm the only candidate President Trump endorsed. Ignore the lies and let's send Jamie packing. Return your ballot for me, Joe Kent, by August 2nd. Thank you, and God bless. All right. So that's uh, the one of the Senate candidates in Washington State. I mean, if you live in Washington State and listen to this program every day. So I thought you might want to know what's going on in your race. I've interviewed uh, Joe Kenny. He's a military veteran. His wife was killed in combat. He has a very compelling story. He's been in, uh, endorsed by President Trump, but he has a very strong challenger in our next guest, Heidi St. John. Let's listen to Heidi and then we'll actually listen to the real Heidi. Let's listen. Federal funds make up a tiny portion of our school budget, yet their mandates are forcing critical race theory, social emotional learning, and the diversity, equity, and inclusion agenda onto students through math, reading, and science. Gender ideology and graphic sex ed lessons are being forced on our children as young as four years old. I'm Heidi St. John. I'm running for Congress to stop Biden's Marxist agenda. I approve this ad and ask for your vote because it's time to stand up for what we believe. It's time to take our country back. All right. So that's Heidi St. John. Uh, Heidi has a great resume. Let me just tell you, she is among the most in-demand conservative speakers in America. She's the best-selling author of seven books. She has a podcast called Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. 
that's been downloaded by millions of people, so people know about her. Uh, she's also a national education expert. She co-founded the Firmly Planted Homeschool Resource Center in 2017 with her husband, Jay, and they've started 60 other centers across the U.S. Uh, let me just say that Heidi's in a tight race. In fact, Heidi, good morning. It's very early out in Washington, isn't it? Yeah, good morning. Thank you for having me on, Sandy. Okay, what is there a poll out? Is there anything that you can trust that gives you kind of a finger on the pulse of what's happening out there? The only thing that I am trusting right now is what I see and observe and hear on the ground here. I think there's been a seismic shift in the race in the last probably two weeks, and I'm excited. It looks to me like the wind is at the back of our campaign. We're seeing more and more activity. Lots of people already voting here. Uh, early voting is underway. And the primary is on Tuesday. And so we're, we're excited. I don't trust the polls. I've learned in the last year and a half that you can buy a poll. And one of the last polls that my opponent put out actually asked people if they would be more or less likely to vote for me if they knew I was a drug addict. And so I'm, I'm actually not, uh, I don't pay attention to the polls anymore. I think, I think we're doing great. It, Joe Kent, of course, I, I introduced him uh, sort of a mini introduction of who he is and what he does. He appears, he presents very well. He's a nice looking guy. He has got a great story. He's a military veteran. But as you were listening to Joe, you felt there were some holes in the things he was saying. Can you give us an idea of your concerns about him? Yeah, my main concern about him is that in 2012, he registered as a Democrat in Portland, Oregon, and he remained a Democrat until 2020 when he voted for Bernie Sanders in the Oregon primaries. And he's going to tell, he's telling people when it was outed, you know, there someone did a, a FOIA request and found out that he had voted for Bernie Sanders. And he came up with a story about uh, something he calls Operation Chaos, which apparently Rush Limbaugh was promoting. But here's my problem with that, Sandy. Uh, when he voted, he's saying he voted for Bernie in 2020 to help give Trump the very best chance he had in the primaries. And he's not telling the truth because when he voted for Bernie, Bernie had already dropped out of the race and endorsed Joe Biden. So Joe Kent's vote for Bernie Sanders did not help Trump in any way, shape or form. Uh, it's not plausible. His policies are socialist. I've been listening to him now for a year and a half. He just said he wants to prop up Social Security in his last mailer that just came out two days ago. He wants to prop up Social Security by seizing the assets of people who he says uh, are Chinese communists living here in the United States. He's going to seize their property and use it to fund Social Security. I've got so many red flags about this guy, I can't even begin to list them all. I'm curious to know what the atmosphere is like in Washington State. Well, let me start with this. The Supreme Court, of course, overturned Roe versus Wade about six weeks ago. And how does that affect Washington State? You guys, you guys have a pretty liberal abortion policy on the books, don't you? Yeah. Yes, and we have since before Roe v. Wade uh, was ever uh, came through the Supreme Court in 1973. Washington State is one of the worst states, and in fact, Governor Inslee is talking about making it a sanctuary state for the murder of the unborn. And so we have a lot of work to do here in Washington, but I believe we're going to win this thing at the end. Uh, science is, on the, is at the back of the pro-life movement. There are a lot of people, again, talking about this now. The churches are talking about it because it's no longer just something they can wink and nod at and say, well, sorry, it's a, it's a federal government issue. It has been kicked back to the states. The debate is going to begin again, and I think we're going to win it. You know, I had no idea Washington had an abortion policy before Roe versus Wade. I would never have guessed that. 
that it was that far to the left. New York State, California, but I didn't know Washington State was one. So that's news to me. When we think of Washington yeah. State now, Heidi, I, many people think of Seattle, which has been burning yeah. and disintegrating that gorgeous city right before our eyes on television. And I, then we also think about uh, long ago, actually, it started a long time ago, the uh, the pursuit and attempted destruction of people like Baron L. Stutzman, who was a florist, as you well know, uh, who uh, had good friends that were gay that came to her and wanted her, knowing that she was a strong Christian, ask her to make their wedding cake for their wedding, and then uh, file suit. You know, they were friends of hers. She'd done flowers for them for years. And uh, she, this yep. suit went on and on and on, and she finally lost in the Supreme Court. It's terrible. So when we think of Washington State, that's what we think of. What don't we know about Washington State that we're seeing on the news, not seeing on the news? Well, I love that question, Sandy. I think what we, what I want people to know is that there is a groundswell of good people here, people who love the Lord and claim his name. I just participated in a forum in a church uh, just the other night, on Sunday night, there was, it was a packed house, probably 500 people that packed into this little church to hear all three of the congressional candidates. And it was a Christian forum. They were asking us about our faith. When did we come to faith in Jesus Christ? What do we believe about the separation of church and state? How would our faith affect our policy making? This was encouraging to me that here in Washington State, the churches are beginning to engage in the political discussion. And we're seeing people getting off the bench and onto the battlefield, which has really been the theme of my life for the last 15 years. So there are a lot of good people here. I always tell people, don't write off Washington State or Oregon or California. Pray that the warriors of the Lord Jesus would arise, that they would tell the truth, and that they would lead in the culture wars. Yeah, it's amazing to hear what you just said, that people in the churches are getting activated. I mean, that is, that's, uh, that's incredible. I, you know, I actually think... Heidi, that's happening uh, in a lot of places in the country. Not enough. I think of—I just heard from uh, someone I was talking about Indiana, what, what's happening in their political scene. And I, I don't think uh, people in Indiana who are listening to me, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that people, Christians there are not motivated and not activated. And I think some really bad things have been happening in Indiana in the last several years, actually starting with Governor Mike Pence. I Well, maybe they don't start, but he surely con continued it with his— uh, deception, really, over um, over um, Common Core curriculum. But um, yeah. there are places where God's people really are rising up and getting activated, and it's so encouraging to hear that that's happening in Washington State. Let me ask you, sorry, my very loud phone. Um, let me ask you, uh, your issues, I was reading this Rasmussen poll just this week, and they polled, uh, uh, I how many voters? It doesn't, I, that's cut off. But it's the top midterm voter issues of U.S. likely voters. And it was, came out June the 30th. So the number one was rising gas prices, 92%. Inflation, 91% concern. Economy, 89% a concerned. Violent crime, 86%. And then fifth was election integrity, 83%. Then school issues, and I could go on abortion rights and illegal immigration. All of those were the top issues. What do you think are the top issues for people in Washington state? Well, I think you just named them. I mean, uh, the gas prices out here are horrific. You know, in many places, still over $5 a gallon for gasoline. People are having to decide between whether or not they're going to get groceries or going to go to see their grandma in Mount Vernon. You know, there are a lot of uh, really hard discussions happening right now with regard to inflation. A lot of people talking about the economy and how broken it is. I don't hear as much about election integrity here because that story has really been stifled by places like the Seattle Times and the liberal media, which really owns the 
uh, owns the media outlets out here. But I think you're going to continue to see people talking about what's happening in our schools. Certainly that's going to be at the forefront of my conversation because we are cranking out by the hundreds of thousands every single year in this country, kids out of our high schools and out of our publicly funded universities who hate this country. And we need to start talking about that because these are tomorrow's teachers. They're tomorrow's judges, tomorrow's doctors. These kids have been taught that socialism is a good idea. We've got people running in my district right now with socialist policies, and we're pushing them out even in the Republican Party as if it were a good thing. And so we've got to start having robust discussion about why the United States is such an exceptional nation and what made us exceptional. We have an amazing constitution in this country, and the the Supreme Court of the United States is making its decisions. All of the good decisions that we have seen in recent weeks come out of the the Supreme Court have been based on the constitution, including Roe v. Wade. And they rightly pointed out that it was never an issue for the federal government. This was a state's rights issue based on the 10th Amendment, and that these issues should never have been handled by the federal government. They should be kicked back to the states. So I'm excited about the conversations that are happening. And I think the same conversations in Washington state are happening around the country. So, uh, I should know this, but I just I just went blank. Who who's who are you guys? Whoever wins this nomination, the Republican nomination in this primary, who will you be facing in November? So, um, so Washington State actually is a jungle primary state, unfortunately, and so it will be the top two. It will be the top two that progress. Uh, it will not be. It, it may not be a, a Democrat. It could it could potentially be two Republicans. And oh, so interesting. Yeah, this race is anybody's race right now. Uh, the polls are very, very uh, tight. And I think I've got a really good shot at being in the top two. We're going to be, our campaign is actually asking the people of God to join us for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday in three days of prayer and fasting. We started a private Facebook group yesterday. I'm going to be teaching a little bit about why fasting is so important, why it was important to Daniel and Esther and Nehemiah and the times that we're in, and ask God's people to pray. And I think we're going to see God move mountains. Let me repeat that, your podcast. Is that what you'd be talking about it on your podcast? Yes. Yep. Okay. Heidi St. Yeah. John, Off the Bench. Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. And it's available on all the uh, 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 social media platforms. I'm trying, what did I say, podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify and others. And so you can hear. Heidi, if people wanted to help you, what kind of help do you need? You know, at this point, um, we really are encouraging people to get out the boat. We always need financial support. I've been asking people to help me keep my ads on the air. That ad that you just ran is one that I'm running on 40 stations right here in the Pacific Northwest. And we're spending about $35,000 every week to keep those on the air. And so if people want to help me keep my message out in front of the voters, just go to HeidiStJohnForCongress.com and donate. It would really help a lot. You may not be able to talk about this, but I'll ask you, and then you can say I can talk about that. I think you got some, you got an endorsement from some significant group just last week, didn't you, which brought in some money? Can you say who that is? Well, we've gotten, actually, I've gotten endorsements from Dr. Dobson. We've been endorsed, uh, Kirk Cameron's endorsed, he's a friend of mine. Uh, General Boykin has endorsed me. We've gotten, so uh, Conservatives for a Stronger America, which is a super PAC, came in about two weeks ago as an independent expenditure. They started taking out ads promoting me, but they're not affiliated with my campaign in any way because they are a super PAC. And so no one was more surprised than I was to start seeing uh, ads on my behalf playing across Southwest Washington. Mailers are showing up in people's mailboxes. And people are starting to find out the truth about my opponent, that he really is a Bernie bro from Portland. And I am running to replace Jamie Herrera Butler, 
who I do not believe is effective as a conservative anymore. I am the one true conservative in this race. So he's running in this primary with you, Jamie Herrera Butler. Since it's yeah, a jungle Jamie primary. Butler is. <laughs> yep, Jamie Herrera Butler is the, the the incumbent. She's a ten year incumbent, and uh, I'm running to unseat her. Oh, how very interesting. So it could be you and Jamie Herrera Butler, or it could be Joe Kent and you, or it could be, I mean, any combination. Yes. That's wild, and that's yep. real, actually not good. That's actually not yep. good for uh, for the for distinguishing between conservatives and leftists uh, in a race. But that's it something much, you can tackle. It makes it much harder. Yeah, if you're elected, maybe you can tackle that. Uh, there are other races in Washington State. Anything that you can say to and just inform people that live there about some of these, any other races, anything important going on in that? Yeah, uh, we have a hugely important race in the Senate. Tiffany Smiley running to unseat Patty Murray, who is a dangerous, dangerous voice in the Senate. Uh, she's been there for many years, decades even. Uh, Tiffany Smiley needs the support of anyone who's listening. Remember, these seats are federal seats, and so Tiffany's voice in the Senate, my voice in the Congress would be a voice for freedom for all of the American people. So that's really the big one. I always tell people to pay attention to the local races, to the state house races especially, because those races, uh, you know, we tend to fixate on federal races, you know, the presidential election, Senate, Congress, that kind of thing. But these local races really do determine the quality of life for the people that live uh, in, this, in their states. And so pay attention to who's running for your city council, who's running for uh, school boards, for goodness sake. These are the people that are determining what the curriculum will be for our students. And so I just I want to encourage Christians to engage, engage, engage in the political sphere. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, probably wouldn't take too much to convince them of the importance of local races now when they just stop to think what happened with all these COVID lockdowns. You know, who locked yeah, them right. down? Who locked them down? Who did that? It was the local authorities. It was governors. That's right. It was state, state houses. And so um, you're right. Those issues that touch our lives most intimately are the issues that are handled by local state authorities. And speaking of that, what is the situation with COVID restrictions in Washington, where Inslee was one of the worst governors in the country, from my perspective, on shutdowns? What's happening oh, Inslee's now? Inslee's terrible. Yeah, he's terrible. I don't know if you saw this, but Fauci came out yesterday. Father Fauci, the high priest of the Branch Covidians, he came out yesterday and said that he he would be advocating for even stronger lockdowns, even strong. He feels like we could have done better if we just would have locked the people down more, made them wear their masks, the whole thing. We've got a parrot of him in Governor Inslee, and uh, we need to get rid of Inslee. There's no question. Yeah, but no, you can't do it right now. He's not up for re-election. No, so, sadly, you're right. right. All right, but for right now, you've got a really important congressional uh, race, Heidi St. John, Joe Kent, and Jamie Herrera-Butler and whoever else the others are. And that's coming up uh, next Tuesday. And also uh, the Senate race, Tiffany Smiley. This I didn't know about. Tiffany Smiley uh, challenging Patty Murray. That's something to look at into. And by the way, let me remind you, iVoterGuide.com is a great resource to find out where these people you know, stand on the issues that we maybe didn't talk about and also who's supporting them, where they're getting their financing. It'll give you a great tutorial of how to handle the primaries. Heidi St. John, it's great to talk to you and we wish you all the best. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.